Hey there, welcome back. Today's show is going to be a lot of fun. I have a song I want to share with you and uh, break down some of the meaning of it, um, just where it comes from, what, what God was saying to me. So don't go anywhere as we get into the meat of God's heart on this. And as always, like, subscribe, share, and comment. Well, I wrote this song by singing it and worshiping one day while I was working. The lyrics just started flowing as I entered the presence of God. Um, just on the streets of Cleveland, I was just singing and just these words just kept coming out of me. And as I finished up working down in Cleveland, I had a long drive back up um, Highway 64 over to Highway 411 and up to Etowah. And I was just singing this and the song just kept coming more and more um, completely to me. And I got distracted as I was coming up for 11. And I actually, actually um, was out there. No, but nobody in sight, nobody on the road. So I wasn't paying too much attention to how fast I was going. And I passed the state trooper. I ended up getting pulled over for it. And I told him what was going on that I was just distracted. He said, well, since I'd had a good driving record that I would probably um, get off and which I did, I went to court and, and they took the ticket off my record, thankfully, because I hadn't had a ticket in, well, over 10 years. I don't even know how long it's been. So that was good, but just a little bit of, of the experience. And I just, the presence of the Lord was so strong in it. And this was, um, this was the day before Passover. And I really felt like that night as I was working over the music and, and singing it, that God really gave this song to me for the heart of what Passover is, what, what the, the, the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection that, that he moves in our life. And I actually sang it the very next day at church for, um, for the heart that God had put in, in this, but especially around Passover. And like I said, this song, I called it a Passover song when I was, when I was talking about it, but it, it, cause it embodies that, but that we get to live in that we get to live in the, the, the gift of God through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. But I just wanted to play this song and let you experience it. And hopefully it ministers to you, but also um, just kind of share a little bit the story behind it. And so I'll get into that. Let me grab my guitar. And just go right into it. This is, um, this is, do you believe? Do you believe it's better at the feet of our Lord? And have you seen the glory of God passing by? Do you believe in the consuming fire of the presence of our God? And have you seen what happens to those who go beyond the veil, beyond the veil? Come on, let's go there. 
let's go there do you believe let's go there come on let's go there do you believe and do you believe it's better at the feet of our Lord and have you seen the glory of God passing by and do you believe in the consuming fire of the presence of our God and have you seen what happens to those who go beyond the veil beyond the veil come on let's go there let's go there Oh, do you believe? Let's go there. Come on, let's go there. Do you believe? We will never be the same because our eyes have seen the beauty of our King. We will never be the same once our glad when I heard them say let us go to the house to the house of the Lord and now our feet stand stand in the gates of the gates of Jerusalem I was glad when I heard them say let us go to the house to the house of the Lord and now our Stand, stand in the gates of the gates of Jerusalem. Oh, the gates of the gates of Jerusalem. My heart is panting my soul is longing my heart is panting my soul is longing my heart is panting my soul
same Because our eyes have seen the beauty of our King We will never be the same Once our eyes have seen the beauty of The beauty of The beauty of our King We will never be the same Because our eyes have seen of our King We will never be the same Once our eyes have seen the beauty of the beauty of the beauty of our King The beauty of our King The beauty of beauty of our King. Well, do you believe it's better at the feet of our Lord? And have you seen the glory of God passing by? Do you believe in the consuming fire of the presence of our God? And have you seen what happens to those who go beyond the veil, beyond the veil? Come on, let's go there. Let's go there. Come on, let's go there. Let's go there. Come on, let's go there. Let's go there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what was on my heart. I wrote that song. And um, like I said, I was just caught up in, in the, being enamored with with this message and the call that's in it and just worshiping God on those levels because there's so many different things that can happen at one time. And this song captures a lot of those. So I just want to read through those lyrics again. Do you believe it's better at the feet of our Lord? Have you seen the glory of God passing by? Do you believe in the consuming fire of the presence of our God? And have you seen what happens to those who go beyond the veil Beyond the veil, come on, let's go there. Let's go there. Do you believe? Let's go there. Come on, let's go there. Do you believe? Do you believe we will never be the same because our eyes have seen the beauty of our King? We will never be the same once our eyes have seen the beauty of, the beauty of, the beauty of our King. Because I was glad when I heard them say, let us go to the house, to the house of the Lord. And now our feet stand in the gates, the gates of Jerusalem. My heart is panting. My soul is longing. My heart is panting. My soul is longing. Do you believe? <laughs> yeah. Well, this song just... At that moment, it, it captures so much of what I'm going through. It captures what, what my heart is and kind of just some of the things that God keeps moving um, 
on me in different ways to share. So I just wanted to share that and kind of go into some of the things about this. And I, I, you know, honestly, when it comes to worship songs, I don't like to break them down and be like, well, this means that, this means that all the time. Sometimes that's good. And that's what I'm going to do here in just a minute. But a lot of times that kind of takes away from the the spirit of what what is going on, because the spirit of what God is doing in worship often uh, transcends. It goes beyond the lyrical content, and a lot of times I like to go beyond the lyrical content and sing spontaneous words as as the prophetic worship moves. And so this song invites that about, and so that's the goal of this song is to actually get beyond that. What I call getting off the page. And so come on, let's go there as an invitation to anybody who's joining with it to just go there in their spirit, in their heart, and experience what we're talking about. About, you know, do you believe it's better at the feet of, of our Lord? Have you seen the glory of God passing by? So this song, um, it it talks from three distinct different places. In, in As I go through it and as I'm singing, the song asks questions. So one, it asks the question of the listener, listener, if they've seen God moving and witnessed others responding. Now, <laughs> from that place... Um, there's so much, and I'll get into that in just a minute. But two is it invites the listener, it invites them to, and challenges them if they believe, while at the same time it's telling them, um, telling you as you're listening, um, that you will be forever changed once you experience this, once you experience being going beyond the veil and being in the presence of the Lord. Um, it's an invitation because we've all experienced different things, and it's never about belittling anybody. It's about hey, this is something that is real and we can go there. We can be there. And I say that because a lot of times people do take that as, oh, so you're telling me that I haven't experienced God. And that's not what it's about. We've all experienced God. If we have faith, we've all experienced something. But each one of us have experienced different things. And a lot of times that different is what we need at that moment, what somebody else has. Number three is uh, we go, uh, we get to respond <laughs> in this song, um, we get, we get to see the response of a heart that wants God. And it's stirred by the desire to go to the house of God and stand in the gates of Jerusalem. This leads to the, the final declaration of my heart is panting. My soul is longing. And David wrote those words of his, of his heart panting after the, like a deer after the water brook. That, that's what, you know, when, when you recognize um, just how much the presence of God means and how much it matters in your life. You, you, you're no longer content for one thing, but you literally recognize that you can't. There are things that in the spirit, in the presence of God and, and moving in, in the anointing of God that you have to have it. You literally can't do it. And so living a, a day or a week without it is something that, that oftentimes we, we just let happen. We get comfortable there. And God is always telling us, don't get comfortable there. Don't settle for less. Go higher, go deeper. And so that's what the, the lyrics of this song are really calling us to. Now, there's there's something that I've experienced over the years. And I'll get into it from, I guess, from this perspective. You know, like asking the question the, at the beginning of the song, asking the question, do you believe it's better at the feet of our Lord? Have you seen the glory of God passing by? Do you believe in the consuming fire of the presence of our God? Have you seen what happens to those who go beyond the veil? That Those questions right there are 
some people are like, yes, yes, absolutely. I know I connect with that. And, and, and they, the fire of, of God just rises up and, and it, it burns because once you've, once you've experienced this, you can't contain it. It's like, <laughs> it's like trying to hold back a, a lion. He, he, he's just, just roaring. The lion of the tribe of Judah is coming out and you're just ready to, to roar when you, when you hear this t- type of invitation. But there's also the perspective that of someone who hasn't experienced that. Maybe um, they have never seen anything at all about it and they're just coming to the Lord um, and they feel like they're completely on the outside. And so we want to exemplify that and show the warmth of it and show the excitement of it to invite people. But another, there's another aspect of it that I think we've, we've, there's been times, each one of us, I know I've, I experienced this and, and as I learned to grow and get into the spirit of God, I learned to not allow this to happen, but to be consumed with so many things going on in my life that I just don't recognize the presence of God. And when we say the presence of God, I'll just say that real fast and qualify it. The presence of God is not about God being everywhere. It's not about God being universally um, omnipresent. That is a truth. It's a reality of the power of God. But God manifests himself to us in different ways, different times, and the manifest presence of our Lord, of of his power, his love that overwhelms us. There's so many different ways that it manifests. And I I live for that, honestly. And I know some people would say, well, that that can turn into to just meaningless pursuit of, of a feeling. It's not about a feeling. It really isn't. I've experienced this with no feeling at different times. I was, I was, I was kind of desensitized because of some different things. And then God just kind of broke through and I saw his reality. And that usually stirs up quickly, stirs up some very strong emotions, just like loving your spouse, loving someone should always do. Anytime you, you recognize and remember how much they mean to you, it should stir up a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings. But again, it's not about standing on a feeling. It's about that a feeling is in line with the truth. And emotions should be there. They absolutely should be included in everything that we do. But the problem is we have seen emotionalism, where people are controlled by their emotions or they only understand something because they feel emotional about it. And there's a lot of times when things are important and I don't feel any emotion, but I choose to go with it and do what is necessary. Like, you know, I know that it's very important to support my family. I care about my family and I'm very emotionally attached to loving my family and giving them what they need. But at the same time, I don't feel emotionally attached to getting up in the morning and going to work or in 110 degrees going out there and sweating away. I'm not emotionally attached to liking that or enjoying that, but I do it anyway. It's the same way with God many times. There's things that we know that are real and true. And so we're going to we're going to do what we know and definitely understand and believe is is the right way to behave. But if you never have those feelings, if you never actually get your feelings in alignment, you're a lot of times that will diminish your effort, diminish your, in, um, definitely your enjoyment. And so I absolutely, I, I, I believe in defending emotions because God gave them to us. God has emotions. God declares his emotions to us throughout the scriptures. And to say that being stoic or without emotions, you know, actually I just touched into a different topic there. I'm not against stoicism. Actually, a lot of the things about stoicism are not reacting 
in a wrong way, not letting your emotions overcome you. That is a good side of being stoic because that it was the intention was that you would not be so overwhelmed by emotional things that you would make bad decisions or, or um, move in a way that was destructive because of how you felt, whether angry or sad, depressed or um, fearful. You don't respond to those things. You actually you actually define what the situation is by the truth and not by what you feel. So that type of thing of being stoic is, is a good thing. But what often happens is being stoic means just simply not having emotions or not having an emotional response, feeling numb ultimately, and, de- and declaring that this is better, that this is more spiritual. That That is not of God. That is just not of God. God absolutely wants you to feel the emotions that he gave you, that he put into you, but he doesn't want you to be controlled by them. He, in fact, David declares this over and over again in the Psalms when he he looks at at the situation and he's like, man, the enemies are, are all around me. They're attacking me. They, they, they defame my name. Uh, they, they declare lies about me. They're trying to kill me and I'm miserable all the day long. He says at one point, just, but then he always turns it back and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Call, he calls his, his emotions, he calls his mind, his will into the truth. And so instead of being overwhelmed or overcome by a circumstance, he recognizes the truth because God is worthy. He is still on the throne. He is still a powerful, powerful source of everything that we need, even in the most difficult moments when we don't feel it. Now, I would say in those moments, he's actually giving us more than in a lot of other moments, because, but a lot of times we're blind to it because we're seeing and experiencing the difficulty. So back to what I was saying about witnessing and responding to this, the emotions that a lot of people look at and say, well, well, that's just being emotional is not, that is, that is honestly, most of the people that I have been in, in the presence of the Lord with are not like that. I have met people that I felt like were chasing an emotional high, wanting just that feeling, and it was a weakness in them. It, it caused them to not actually experience what I'm talking about. They they would experience emotional feeling, but not actually um, connect to God in the spirit. They would not have the manifest presence of God on them. They would sense the presence of God, but that would be all that they would go there. To me, that would be similar to your you know, your spouse coming home and you hear them coming home and you get all excited to see them, but you never actually go hug them. You never actually say hi to them. You never actually sit there and spend time with them. I would say that's kind of what the description here is. And so being emotionally responding to the feeling of it, but not actually getting close. And, but like I said, most of the people that I've experienced this with are not like that. And, and I'm, it's honestly, it gets, it gets frustrating because I get, I have to face this constantly, basically every single time that I want to encourage and I, or actually I'm entering into the presence of God and I'm, and I'm leading worship and I'm calling, um, people to join with that. I face this attack on a regular basis and I do, I do get tired. It's just wearisome that people can't look and see beyond that. Partly though, it's because they haven't experienced oftentimes. Most of the people who who respond that way, they haven't actually experienced that. And so they're questioning it because they don't know it. And so on that level, that's what number two here is about inviting them and challenging them if they believe. 
Because I know a lot of people, philosophically, in their mind, they will believe this. They believe in the presence of God. They believe in the, the all-consuming fire of the presence of God. They believe those things, but they haven't actually experienced it. And so it's theoretical in their mind on that level. And so when they haven't experienced it, they, they don't know what it means. They don't fully understand it. So we have to exemplify that. We have to show that, show them the reality of that in the way that we live, in the way that we pursue God, but especially when we're united together in fellowship to show the, the reality of this, because that's what transforms the people around us. And God is calling his church to be this way. We are supposed to stir one another up. That's in, in Hebrews 10, it talks about that. Let's look for ways. Let's look for ways to encourage one another and stir them up to to um, the love of God and, and be operating in this, you know, there's, we can't do that when we're alone. That's just a side issue there. God wants us to come together all the more, all the more as we see the, the, the day approaching. And when we say the day, we don't know what that day is. We're, maybe it's the end of times that, that we've, you know, maybe it's the return of Jesus. Maybe it's just simply that in your life, there is a day approaching that you can miss you won't experience that you won't gain the intimacy with God and you won't gain the fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ on the level that you need to. So this is, this is a call to that recognizing that it's real and it's a declaration because I will boldly say that there are this, this reality is something I have experienced. I have met God over and over and over again, just like in the testimony of writing this song. I didn't write this song because I wanted to write a song about how good God is and just say things that are true. Uh, I, everything in this song is true, but that's not what I was writing. What I was doing was responding because as I was working, as I was walking the streets of Cleveland, cleaning windows, the presence of God hit me and overwhelmed my spirit and my soul responds in the love of God. And this is the declaration of that. And so I reach out to join with other people in this call and in this desire. And so that's the other thing is, I love this. The, the, the last part of this song talking about, I was glad when I heard them say, let us go to the house of the Lord, quoting from the Psalms there. And now our feet stand in the gates of Jerusalem. This idea of being glad, it, my, my, my spirit just lights up. My, my eyes get, I get excited. The, the things that draw me that are the most exciting is when I see other people when I see their hunger for God and their desire for God. And it's not just, oh, this is, you know, this is what we, how we do things, but there's the, that connection. And when, when I do that, that, that joy to go, uh, you know, just being so glad to be in the house of God. The house of God is not a building, as we know. The house of God that we're talking about being in is his people. We are the house. And so being in it together, being united together puts us in that place you know, the, the passes where two or more, we have, we have the ability to, to bind the things on earth and the power of heaven binds them. And we have to, to loose the, the love of God, the exuberance and the power and the authority of God on earth. And it's loosened, set free to run from heaven to, to where it needs to be. That's what we have the power to do when we're together. And, but we, unless we actually tap into that, unless we actually experience that in the presence, in God's presence through the name, we, we talk about that gathered together in, in Jesus name. He said, we're in my name. Then you have these power. Well, the truth is most of the time we're not actually in his name. 
I'll just touch on that for a little bit. Many times we are not actually in his name. We say it, we say the words, but it's not magic. It doesn't happen because we said the words. It doesn't happen because we believe it. Oh, oh, I just, I just stepped on some toes. Believing it is not faith. You can believe lies all day long. It doesn't make them true. It doesn't make them happen. Having the authority of God is not something that you simply read the scripture and say, well, God's given us all authority. um, So therefore I have it. It's not true. You only have what you've received. In the New Testament, receiving something is to forcefully snatch it. God has made it available. That's the giving. God makes things available. We have to understand the biblical terms. When God gives you something, it's not you don't just have it. He makes it available to you. But until you learn how to actually get, grab a hold of it, you don't have it. And so the authority that we have is something that we have by going into the presence of God, by going boldly before the, his throne, by being in his presence. We grow up, we mature, we see him, we are become like him, and we exercise the authority and the power that he's put in us through that pursuit, through being close to him. That's, that's the message that is, is in my heart on, on this level of we neglect it. We don't understand it. And so the pursuit of being in the presence of God and experiencing that and responding to it every single time that he moves in my life, I don't want to ever, I used to, a lot of times I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I'm busy with this. Now I don't near as much near. I, I do sometimes, but when, when the presence of God, I'll just, I'll just, a lot of times I'll just be sitting there on my couch and all of a sudden I just start weeping because I'm just reminded of his beauty and reminded of who he is. And I just worship him. And that may happen for a few minutes. That might turn into writing a song <laughs> that might turn into praying intensely. That might turn into opening up my Bible and studying. It might turn into just talking to, to my family that's there. It might turn into um, calling somebody who knows what God does with it, but that's the anointing of God. He pours it out and does what is necessary, what is needed as we respond to him. That's the important aspect of it. So this is something I've experienced many times over the years. I've seen it from the place of being an outside spectator and from the inside, you know, and I want to extend that. And that's what I've seen other people do it. And it's beautiful. I want to extend that invitation that you can go to that place. You can live there. Actually, when Jesus tore the veil, he was making it available, not just available. He wanted us to dwell with him. He wants us to dwell in that place, that holy place, that intimacy. But we so often get we get what we think we need, the crisis or the feeling that we need something, and we go to God, and we get it, and we leave. And he's saying, don't leave. Stay there. Can you imagine what we would be, what we would have in the presence of God if we quit only going there when we feel like we need something, when we're more desperate? Yes, I'm going to cry out when I'm desperate, but I'm also going to cry out when I'm not. I coined the phrase years back. I said, good times call for desperate measures. Because in good times, a lot of times when things are going well, we don't necessarily recognize the true sense of the depth of of what we need from God. And so we wait until a crisis and then we then we cry out to God. And sometimes that turns into being cold, being um losing our salvation, uh, you know, not, not, I'm talking, don't, don't get me theologically confused there. When I say losing our salvation, meaning the saving power of God that accomplishes something in our life is no longer present. So we walk away from that. We lose that. The, the, what God says, if you endure to the end, that you, then you shall be saved is this process that we're in. And so when we don't endure, when we get distracted, when we walk, we lose that, that 
salvation is no longer empowered in our life. There's a lot of theological things that I'm saying there, so don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to cross over into an area of just saying, well, you just lose your salvation and you walked away from God. That's not my point at all. My point is that the power of God is no longer relevant because you're not accessing it and not using it in your life. And so the, that term in the Bible is, is what our salvation is. Our salvation is these things. And so if we don't use them and we don't have them, then we don't ha- the salvation is no longer useful and meaningful in our life. I often run into another thing, and I've mentioned it briefly already, but often there's a strong resistance to this message that I'm sharing and the invitation. There's just a strong resistance to it. And I, I'm, like I said, I get weary from some of the almost snide remarks that I run into. And I'm not trying to put anybody down because I know some people don't understand that what they're saying is coming from pride, but it really often is, most often is. It comes from pride that Satan's planted in our hearts. And this pride says, you know, when when we're faced with this invitation, when we're faced with someone who is boldly declaring, hey, come on, let's do this. Let's go there. I know it's real. Whether you know it's not, or it is or not, let's do it. Let's go there. You'll experience it. Once you've seen the face of God, once you've seen it, you'll be changed. You won't be able to contain it. This, this notion that, that, oh, these people are just exhibitionists and they just want to show off and they're just doing it for a show. That's, you know, it, it's so, it's so disgusting, actually. What happened to Michael, David's wife, when she looked down on him for dancing? That's what she said. She said that, that he was making a fool of himself. And he said, I'll be more foolish than this because he knew his, knows his own heart. He said, I will be humble in my own eyes. I don't care about what, what other people are going to think. And so this notion is, is very wicked, actually. But we have to recognize it and weed it out, pull it out, uproot it and get it out of our life, but he plants it in our hearts, the pride that says, who are you to think you've experienced something that is better than I have? That's, that's what we respond with over and over again. We're, that's our feeling, and I've run into this over and over again, and people have actually said those words many different times to me um, from that perspective, and I respect, I respect the individual relationship with God, I do. I re- recognize that none of us have everything. And that's why I'm longing for more. That's why I'm seeking God. But I'm also want to be there with my the, my fellow uh, brothers in Christ as we grow in the Lord. I want to be present with them because seeing them is where I see the face of God again and again is in my brothers. When God moves on them, when he speaks through them, when he touches their life, that's what he does. And I recognize that I have need of that. So in that humility, I recognize that. And so I, I respect the individual relationship. I'm not trying to, to press anybody into the mold of being like I am, but I do want to encourage everybody to grab a hold of more. And there are things that I've experienced that I know are real and they are not personal in the sense that, that this is Nehemiah's thing. This is not personal on that level. It's personal that I've experienced it, but it is the invitation that God has put out for each one of us to experience him. And as we see him, we will become like him. We will be like him. That's why coming together is so important. We can't accomplish this work. <laughs> we can't, we can't, we can't grow. We can't. Otherwise I would just spend my time by myself studying and never, ever share it for one thing, but I would also have no need to be in fellowship with other people. And that is just not true. 
It's absolutely absurd to think that. And I know that that's another lie that comes in that, that we don't actually need to because we understand that God calls us to know him individually. But that does not supersede his also his mandate that we're supposed to come together, that he also said it's not good for man to be alone. We are supposed to get what we need that is from God, but through other men. You read through the scriptures. How many times did God actually say something? It's not near as often as you'd think. When God actually says something, it's it's different. He does speak to men individually, and that's a good thing, and I believe in it, and I experience it. But most often, he speaks his word through people. People spoke it, they wrote it, and the word that God put in their heart, they share it. And if we don't recognize it, we're denying the power of God, and we're denying the, the active power of God in our life. And so... God wants to do this. It only happens through coming together. He wants to reveal more of his nature and open to us, uh, open up things in areas where we're limited. And this comes by being humble, by recognizing and seeing it. When I see someone anointed by God, when I see somebody on fire for God, I can tell, I can say this. I desire to experience what they have. I want to experience, not in a jealous way, not saying, oh, I want to be like so-and-so. No, I want to experience. I know that when I see the reality because my spirit is made alive and I can, it connects with the spirit in them and I just love to see the power of God. And, you know, I'll just share this. I, I've met a friend recently and we've started connecting and I really am looking forward to growing deeply. And so if you're listening to this, Tony, I love you, bro. It's great to meet you. But Tony Meeks, he married a good friend of mine recently, Danielle, and I met him. I didn't know him. I had never met him. Danielle had told me about him. He shows up at a worship service and we didn't get a hardly a chance, of, but just to say, hi, how you doing? And then we stepped in to start praying and worshiping. And I immediately connected in the spirit with this brother and we've had nothing but awesome fellowship. And I'm looking forward to it so much. So I love you, bro. And I'm glad to have met you. But that's what I'm talking about. I didn't have to know his story. I didn't get to hear his, his life story. And, and I still don't know all the details, but I got to hear some of it after, after a while sitting there talking to him. And then you know why you connected because the reality of God is undeniable when you start hearing the story. But I connected with that before I knew the details. You don't get that if you're alone. And if I'm prideful and I'm like, well, you know, that's just, that's just his way of doing things. No, I, I recognize it and see it, and I long for it. I'm like, I want to experience on the levels that I don't know, that I haven't experienced, that my brother has. Another reason there is resistance to this message is um, it, you know, it's because um, there's been damage caused by leadership, and I just want to acknowledge that. There has been um, demands to conform rather than uh, unity in the spirit. And um, by exemplifying the hunger for God and demonstrating the power of God um, that is unleashed when we respond to his presence and anointing, instead of doing that, instead of having that heart, there have been leaders that, that want to force people to conform. And they, they try to tell people what to do. They try to tell them how to do it. And um, that's not good. That has caused damage and has caused people to be harmed. And so they, they don't respond to what, when God, when God is actually speaking and encouraging and saying, Hey, go deeper, go farther. They, they have a resistance because of the wrong things that leadership have done. And I'm just going to speak out against it. This is actually a structural problem in the church. And I've been talking about it, this type of thing in a number of different ways, but there's an idea that leadership are in control. 
They're the ones who are to take charge and do and tell the church what to do. And that may be some of the practical things that do happen, but that is not truly what leadership is about. Leadership and the structure of the church was given to equip, not to control, not to have the authority over even in that regard. Now, that, that, there's some verses that kind of say that because when you're living in sin, the person who is righteous, the person who has the power of God manifesting in their life and they call you out, you do have to. They have the authority in your life to say it and you have to submit to that. You don't have the right to just say, well, I'm a believer and I'm a child of God and so I don't have to listen. Well, actually you do. When God puts someone in your life and and whether it's a pastor or minister or another brother who, who says it, you have the obligation to humble yourself and submit to the word of God because of the truth in love is, is the reality that you have to understand that the truth of God hurts, it breaks, it cuts off those dead things, those wicked things in us because it's his love. And so we have to respond. But leadership has done this in very wrong ways, and they try to control people. And it's, it's what I see, the message of moving the ark when Uzzah reached out and tried to keep the ark steady from falling off the cart. I don't, I don't know Uzzah. I don't, the Bible doesn't tell us about Uzzah on those levels. But what it does give us an example of the ministry is what the Ark of the Covenant represents, the power of God moving and the ministry of God. And so if we try to steady it and try to control it, we will bring death. And I've said this so many different ways because it's so important that we get a hold of this. We get a hold of the notion and, and understand that it is not about me having control. It's about me inviting. It's about me exemplifying. It's about me operating and running towards God with all my heart and let God have his work, not me controlling it. So that's, that's why a lot of people have become resistant. And so I would encourage you, if you are resistant because someone has pushed you and tried to control you, don't respond and, and be reactionary in your personal life and in your future as you grow. Don't be controlled by that. Be set free right here, right now. Be set free in your heart and your mind. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would, that you would break off those, those things that, that have caused resentment or bitterness or hurt that have been done by, by wrong spirits and, and bad motives even. Lord, I pray that you would heal that, that you would break that off so that, that the heart could become soft and have, a, have um, the heart of flesh towards these things and be responsive rather than reactive and, and have their guard up, that, that you would show them in your tender mercy and your kindness the reality of responding with a whole heart as, as, the, as you move and that going into your presence and, and joining with our brothers and sisters and uniting together is so important. So, amen. It's, that's, <laughs> I just felt led to pray that as, as I'm talking here. We must see God um, as he reveals himself, not through the lens of the structure and control of the religious system. That's what I'm talking about here. We have to see him that way. We can, we can allow it. And I, this is something God keeps saying to me over and over again. Am I going to let somebody else's mistakes or am I going to let problems keep me from pursuing God with all my heart? Am I going to say, well, this was wrong or this is wrong or this is incomplete or that? I'm not going to. I just keep saying that over and over to him. I'm not going to let it. I'm not going to let anything happen. You know, it doesn't matter whether, even in my mistakes, I'm not going to let my mistakes keep me from coming to you, God. I'm not going to be fake because I call it, it is, it's a, it's a form of, of false humility. I'm not going to say, well, Lord, I'm screw up and, and I just messed up. And so I'm not going to come to you. That's, that's bogus. 
God didn't didn't wait until you were good. He loved you while you're a sinner. He loved you. You know, Jesus came and died before we had any inkling of these things. It's we know this to be true, but yet we somehow think that it there is some kind of merit or um, you know just something that is worthwhile in laying back and saying, "Well, I, I I'm weak. I'm I'm a failure." And God told me that one time. He said, "He said, you know what." I'm the one who's done this work in you and I'm the one who will complete this work in you. And you don't dare, don't you dare tell me that I don't know how to do my job. And that was in response to me saying, well, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can, if I, you know, my mistakes, my failures, I, what I, I the feeling is they just fly up in my face sometimes. And, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm not really worthy. I'm not really capable of doing this. And he just said, right, so you're going to tell me that I didn't do my God, my, 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 yeah, my job as God, I didn't do it uh, right. And I was just like, no, God, I can't do that. I, I, he said, don't declare what I have said is strong. Don't say it's weak. So when, when I hear people talking about being weak and how weak they are, I'm not saying that there's not times to acknowledge our weakness because God wants us to actually be grow and be stronger. But there's also that false humility that creeps in that says, I'm not going to do it. I, you know, I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to do what God's telling me to do because, oh, I'm actually weak. I'm not good. And God's saying, nope, I'm the one who did this. I'm the one who called you. I'm the one who's equipping you answer the call. And so the religious system hides, it disguises God and, and wants to take control and be, come between us and God. The church it actually is a very powerful thing. It's alive. And when it's not controlled by ungodly ideas and demonically hatched in the hearts of power hungry people. You know, that's, that's what has happened because just because they're in church, just because they're, they have have been studying the Bible for a long time does not mean that they don't aren't power hungry. And that was, they're demonically hatched. The lies creep in and moments of pride and moments of selfishness. And if we don't repent, if we don't wash that out of us, they can grow and we can become very, very controlled by this force. And many, many church leaders have fallen prey to this. And many people have come underneath that. And I don't really want to go any further in that because that's a different topic. But this is something that it, the church is powerful. It stands in, in the freedom, when, when it stands in the freedom that Jesus released. And that's why Satan wants to attack it. And so this, this message is the question, do you believe do you believe that you can go there? Do you believe in these things? I know that I have. I do. I more than believe it because I do, it's not theoretical with me. I have experienced it. So I'm inviting everybody to come. Let's go there. We will never be the same. Our eyes have seen the beauty of our King. And once you've been there, you can't contain it. It's not a matter of that I have a choice if I'm going to go after God, I can, I have a choice to not go after God at different times, but if I'm going to go after God, I don't have a choice. It's going to come out because once I've seen it, once it's happened, it's undeniable. It's not a man. I'm not manufacturing. I'm not pretending. I'm not being an exhibitionist and just showing off things. I am want to show off God. That's for sure. I do want to, but I'm not ever even crossing my mind that I'm going to be showing something off. And I'm just like, well, I want the I want to show somebody how spiritual I am. No, I want God. And as soon as I get in that presence, as soon as I seek him, it just blows up. It expands out and there's nothing I can do about it. And he wants you to have that. He wants every believer. This is not for some believers. This is for all of us to experience him on that level. He wants to just absolutely be uncontainable inside of you and it comes out. Well, amen. That's what I had on my heart. 
I hope this blessed you. God bless you. And I love you so much. And I really, this is, this has been on my heart in so many different beautiful ways. I, I hope you can grab a hold of this and we can experience this together. So be blessed. Talk to you soon. Truth filled in you and me.